Welcome to another episode of Seeing Them Live, a podcast featuring memorable concert stories from live music fans. Everyone has a concert story, and hopefully, one day, we'll hear yours. And now, we're going to hear Tom's. I remember pretty early on when I got there, I looked at things, and I said to myself, I'm jumping in the lake, and I'm going to get on stage. Um, Like, that was an absolute. I don't know if I told anybody that. Uh, We have Tom Fitzer as our guest, along with our producer, Doug Florzak, is also on the mic today. Um, And I know Tom... Uh, well, from seeing his band, actually, Rot Iron Soul. He's the vocalist, lead vocalist, and uh, guitar player. And um, the three of us, Tom, Doug, and myself, were at a poker tournament. And uh, we were talking about this podcast. And Tom had this crazy Aerosmith story. And I'm like, oh, man, you got you to tell this story. Um, and then he said he had others. So that's kind of how uh, we met. But, uh, Tom, I don't know if you want to just, like, maybe introduce yourself a little bit more, like what you do and uh, yeah. a little bit about the band and, and such. And then we'll we'll start hearing some of these, these stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I remember when we did meet at the poker party, um, <laughs> you had said you had written a book that I think is kind of related to this and um then you were going to start a podcast which i thought was just an amazing idea i still do i think it's going to be great um and then yeah you talked about well i have some experiences so we'll get into a couple of those um but yeah my name's tom fitzer uh uh, i'm in a band with doug rod iron soul um i'm also a, a social worker believe it or not but when i was uh you know, as far as music, um, seeing things live, I, from about 16 years old, I'm 42 now, from like 16 through my 20s, I, I went to a lot of concerts, a lot of concerts. That's what we did, you know, and I just happened to fall into the the genre of music, like, you know, 60s and 70s stuff. And um, when I was seeing those guys, like the Stones and stuff, in like 97 and beyond i was like these guys are old but hey at least i'm getting to see them and now some of them are still out there and people are seeing them which is just crazy you know um so they weren't that old when i was when i was turned on to it um i heard a interesting fact the other day and then i'll kind of throw it back over to you guys unless you want to hear some more about me but um i i was listening to a podcast they were talking about how between 16 and 18 years old is when whatever music style you're kind of listening to at that time is what kind of stays with you forever. And Mm -hmm. I can say for sure. um, That's when I started getting into Zeppelin stones, all this classic rock and blues and the oldies and all that. And I don't know why, but that's the stuff that always just really hit me and um, made an impression on me. And, that's never gone away. Never really got into like my generation of music, which I guess would have been the nineties and the two thousands and things. I mean, here and there, but you know, I, I guess I'm an old soul when it comes to the music for sure. And I'm sure partly responsible is my dad. Not that he ever pushed it on me, but was listening to it all the time. So I absorbed it for sure. Yeah. What, what, uh, I, I was, you know, I usually ask people, um, you know, what was like one of the first concerts or the first concert, um, you know, they had attended. Do you uh, recall that Tom or? I do. I do a hundred percent. It was 1996. I was either 15 or 16. Um, And it was um, ELP Emerson Lake and Palmer opened up for Jethro Tall at the, uh, uh, what used to be called the um, world, you know, that I don't know what it's called now, the Twitter it's had a few names yeah i still call it the world but um, yeah emerson lake and palmer opening up for uh jethro tall and ian anderson uh me and my buddy justin who i'm still friends with and actually played a gig with us last summer doug knows justin so 
um yeah that was my first concert ever it was awesome sitting in the seats at the world yeah yeah well that, yeah that's always nice because when you get out on the lawn sometimes that the sound isn't uh Mm-hmm. Great at that place, but uh, you might run into me out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, that that's uh, that's cool. Um, did you? I didn't know if you wanted to go in chronological order. I don't, you know, I don't know where you wanted to start, but uh, if you wanted to, uh, I don't know, maybe start with that Aerosmith story. Um, like, sure. who were you with, and where were you sitting, and? And, so, and when, um, what, what year was it? Was it, uh, um, I was trying to think about that. You know, I was also going to say this, I was, cause I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. I used to save all my concert tickets, uh, stubs. I know Doug does cause he showed me them when we were at that yeah. poker game. And unfortunately, uh, an ex-girlfriend, um, never gave me those back. Um, but it, it was cool. I used to have like 60 of them for the ones that I did save, but, I guess the reason I brought that up because I was trying to remember when that Aerosmith concert was. I don't know the exact date, but I know it was probably around 2002. Okay. I would say. Um, So I was about 22 years old. I was with, um, you know, my, my usual crowd that I would hang out with that would go to concerts, Justin and a couple other people. Um, And so if we're talking about the Aerosmith, I could just get into the story. Um, it was at the world as well. Okay. Um, been there quite a bit. We were in the lawn. Um, and so, you know, as per usual, my early twenties have a couple beverages out there <laughs> and beforehand, right. get a little, get a little loose, uh, enjoy things. Um, but you know, I, I've also been known to be a little crazy at concerts. Um, because I guess, um, and bring me back if I'm getting all over the place. But with music, and when I started seeing things live, it was usually like the front man of a band that would like draw me in. And like just, I would get this crazy energy of like just being mesmerized. I mean, from seeing the first Stones concert in 97 at Soldier Field, like being blown away to seeing Steven Tyler. I don't know if this is the first time I saw him, but like these guys just, I mean, got me going my, you know, my, my soul, my spirit. Um, and sometimes got me in trouble because of that energy. (laughs) So getting to the story, we're in the lawn. Um, and it's my friends all kind of sitting on a blanket. I don't remember exactly if the concert had started or what, but we're out there kind of just having a good time, you know? And, um, all of a sudden, you know, as, People are filling in this this kid, like a little bit younger than us, sits down. And I think he was with a, one other person and he has a backpack. And I see him pulling out like a coat and they're talking about um, having a security coat for the world, you know, and I'm instantly like, what? I like because <laughs> in my head, it probably went like you got a security coat. Like, what can we do with this? You know? Yeah, let's put and, it to good use. And, and he, you know, I started talking to him and my friends again are kind of like knowing that I, I can be a little wild and they're just like, Tom's talking to this kid about the security code. And so I find out that his brother was a security guard at the world. Okay. And I can't remember if he said he took it from him or his brother gave it to him. <laughs> I, I can't remember what he said, but he had it. Yeah. And somehow I convinced him to give it to me. And he did uh, pretty willingly, if I remember. And um, I remember I waited a little while and the concert got going and everything. And so eventually I put this thing on and again, we're in the lawn and I, I zip it up. And I mean, it's, it's the security coat you know, that everybody's got on that security there. I believe it was a red security coat. And um, I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to go see what uh, I could do with this. And um, I immediately I remember I climbed. You know, I walked down, if you guys, I don't, everybody listening probably hasn't been to the world, but it's like a, a hill of grass. Yeah. And so I walk down the hill, get to the stairs. I walk kind of to the the, uh, the catwalk or whatever, where that's between um, the grass and then the seats. Right. And I just, I start, I go right to the middle of, like kind of, there's not a middle row that's going to get you to center stage, but there's two, you know, on the side that'll get you 
um, to that rows of seats that you could get to the middle of the stage. Right. Sure. So I remember I, I just went, walked straight down that right side and got past like one security guard, didn't even look at me, just went. And then I was just like, it was on. Um, <laughs> and so I walk just like kind of playing security guard, looking around. So I get to the front row. I got to the front row. I look to my left. And there's probably, I, I don't remember, but maybe 25 seats in that section, you know, I start, I start going, okay, I'm going in. And I, I start saying, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me to everybody in the front row. They're all moving for me. They're all moving for me. I'm still kind of playing security guard. I remember I get to the front center, like Steven Tyler's singing right in front of me. Oh my God. Right up close. And so I kind of turn from security guard and I just start like rocking out in the front like you know in between these people who are sitting here every i don't know what everybody's doing but <laughs> um it's you know weird I, and i'm kind of like almost up on the stage looking for like a high five which um i didn't get and then shortly after that i don't remember how how long the timing was but i was beginning to be pulled out by real security um and they pulled me out of the front row and, you know, they took me back to the um, like the holding cell back there. And they're asking me, where did you get this coat? And like, I'm not I'm not telling them. And like, they're very concerned about why I have this coat. You know, obviously, yeah. they're probably looking for who gave this up and like what's going on. Um, so I held in there for a little bit. You know, I Doug might know I've got a little bit of charisma sometimes. So I. <laughs> I kind of got them on my side and um, like, I remember, and like, I'm a huge stones fan. All of a sudden Aerosmith, like, I don't know how long I was in there, but they start busting out honky tonk woman out of nowhere yeah. from the stones. And I'm like telling these, I'm like, dude, the stones are my favorite band. Like I got to get out here and listen. So they actually let me out and watch honky tonk woman <laughs> and took me back in. And then I eventually um, got out. And they like released me out of the stadium without the coat. And um, I swear to God, before I, I went down to the seat, I had an extra, we had an extra ticket on us that was not used. Had that in my pocket. They didn't know it. I went to another gate. They ripped it, let me back in. It was up oh in the lawn. God. I was back in the lawn for the rest of the show. I missed like three or four songs except for Honky Tonk. And then I, I honestly don't remember like what the kid said. I think I was just like, dude, the coat's gone. But hey, I Row. They must have um, been going crazy watching you up there doing that. Oh my god! That you you were you were in world music theater jail for a little while, but you got paroled for one song. And I then did. They, they brought I you back in. <laughs> yeah, that was not the only time I've been in the world music theater jail. Well, that, that's a that's a fantastic story. I mean that uh, it just uh, yeah one one thing kind of leads to another and. Uh, getting stopped and next thing you know you're you're trying to high five steven tyler <laughs> yeah it was state. pretty crazy it was yeah, pretty crazy. yeah. Was, oh, was that's, a, that's a great story um yeah tom uh doug was uh, also mentioning this one story uh about steppenwolf if you wanted to yeah, sure sure do, do that one that was uh september or no sorry i got september on my brain doug so that that one that one we did yeah, we did look up. We have, we have, we went to Steppenwolf's website and they have like every concert they've ever done. Okay. And, uh, so this was at, I'll just kind of set the stage and then you can take it away. Um, so this was in Lyle, Illinois, which just is just kind of a suburb west of, of Chicago. And they used to have this thing called Eyes to the Sky Balloon Festival. So it was a combination hot air balloon festival and, um music uh festival and um the one that i believe that you're going to be talking about was on july 3rd actually 2003 and um that uh, which actually is going to be a 20 it's going to be 20 years coming up here <laughs> in uh july 3rd of this year um so why don't you go ahead and take it away from there and tell the story yeah yeah, it's cool remembering. I'm, I'm, uh, it's it's cool that you got the date, uh, because it puts it in perspective. Um, 
Yeah, so this one, like like Doug is saying, this this Lyle Eyes in the Sky um, was a pretty big thing. You know, it, it would get some pretty big bands, and so it was John Kay and whoever was left in Steppenwolf. So John Kay was the lead singer. Um, again, uh, Steppenwolf, one of my probably top fifteen bands. I uh, I think very underrated um and people don't you know born to be wild magic carpet ride i could never hear again but there's some just great stuff that was didn't get radio played anyway um so looking forward to this i don't think i had ever been to a lyle fest before so again i get these ideas in my head especially in my early 20s again having some beers there with probably i don't know Five to ten people. I remember my girlfriend was definitely at the time there. Um, so we get, again, it's kind of like um, a lawn situation. But at this place, there's like a moat or like a small lake that's in front of the elevated stage. Um, and so we're probably like 50 yards back from that and a little bit elevated up on the hill, too. And... Um, I remember pretty early on when I got there, I looked at things and I said to myself, I'm jumping in the lake and I'm going to get on stage. Um, like that was an absolute. I don't know if I told anybody that, um, but I've heard some of my friends retell the story of just like all of a sudden seeing me down by the shore and um, like doing something. And so this was my idea. And I told Doug this the other day. I I walked onto the front, down to the shore I, there's some people up there, obviously. And I just, I said, I'm going to swim up to the stage. And they're like, okay. They were, they were like, okay. And, um, I take my shirt off my pants. I've got my boxers on. And I, I remember back in the day they were like, um, oh yeah, this is why I was remembering. It was like around 2003. Cause I had my very first flip phone, uh, which I got in 2002. And um, I remember asking this lady to get pull this in my wallet or keep an eye on it. Don't let it get wet. And um, I just I jumped in into the lake or the moat and I started to swim towards the stage. And. Um, yeah. And so I got up to this stage. You know what? Do you know what song they're playing? Tom? Oh, yes. Thanks for reminding me. So I think partially what kind of made this occur even though it was going to occur anyway was they were they were singing the, the pusher which is uh one of my all-time favorite songs i wish yeah, we did it that, that's uh, an awesome i love the guitar <laughs> riff and that is so good so good yeah and so and it's a pretty you know it's it's about six or seven minutes long so it gave me some time right i get up there and again this is 20 years ago but i pull myself up on stage i remember walking up to the mic I, I was on, you know, John Case to the right of me. I kind of do a spin. I put my arm around him and I start singing in the mic with him um, some of the words. And he kind of looks at me and then just keeps going with it. And <laughs> we're just like having a good time. Like now, literally, this is probably five to 10 seconds that this happens because before long, a couple security guards are out on the stage. And I knew this was going to happen. And so they chased me around on the stage just for a bit. And as soon as I knew that I was going to get caught, I jumped right back into the moat. That, that's, and, the, um, that's the ultimate, the ultimate stage dive, right? Yeah, totally. And like, they were not following me in there. They were not coming in there. <laughs> so I remember kind of taunting them a little bit. I wasn't saying anything out loud, but I was definitely like doing the backstroke uh, at, like instead of a swim, I would, you know, was just doing the backstroke. And then um I remember then like security's lined up by the shoreline there, and there's a couple cops there now. And so I'm like, all right, I better get out. And um again, you know, I just kind of get out of there and the cops are not too bad. And I remember kind of just talking, and they're like, What are you doing? I was like, I just wanted to get up there and sing. And you know, and they were like, okay. And I remember the cop like radioing on his shoulder and hearing something like, you know, is he being fine? Is it, what's he being like? He's like, no, he's, he's being all right. And then I remember on the other end, the guy's like, well then just tell him to leave. Like he can't come back. And I was like, thanks guys. I appreciate it. And then like my one buddy was down there already, you know, just making sure 
things were sorted or whatever. And he's like, he's like, I got him. I'll make sure he's out of here. We're going. And then I, I, you know, it was dumb. I missed the rest of the concert, but, um, uh, <laughs> the, the funny part of this is too, is stupidly. I remember I got on, um, my, my friend who took me home, Dan had a, like a crotch rocket motorcycle that he drove there that day. And I got on the back of this thing, like in my box, like I probably put my jeans back on, but I remember I had no shirt on and I'm holding on to him. And he said it was the worst ride of his life back home to where we were going. Cause I was just like, you know, weaving all over. So it was probably, it was not safe. It was not a good idea, but he got, got us home safe. Um, You're dripping wet at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, it took us a little while to walk out of there. So maybe I dried up a little bit cause it is a little bit of a far walk to the stage from where we entered. Um, but that was that one. So sometimes I, I wonder if John Kay remembers that. You know what I mean? Well, I bet you he does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a classic one, man. I mean, my yeah. friends will still tell that story about, um, yeah, when Tom jumped in the jumped in the water, man, and swam up on stage. <laughs> and it's great that he kind of engaged you then with the with the song. You got to kind of sing a little bit of it. That that's really it was cool. cool. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, lucky, lucky too, you know, got lucky that it didn't turn into something more than that. So did you actually take the microphone or you were off mic or? No, he was, it was still in the stand. So we were like singing into it. And again, oh, like, so you, I don't you think. You got up to the microphone. Then, I right? got up to the mic. I had my yeah. arm around him. <laughs> I remember. West. But it had to be 10, 15 seconds. Before I was off the mic. God, that 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 is fantastic story. Oh my god, <laughs> that that is hilarious. Uh, so like, so Tom, when you're like performing, like what? I mean, is there a song that really gets you going? I mean, I'm sure you you know, there's a lot of songs that you know yeah. other band members choose and and want to do, but is there like yeah. a particular one of your favorites with, that you do live when you perform? Oh yeah, for sure. The, Doug will know because they never come out of the set, um, the sets. But um, the songs that I like doing the best are the ones that I feel like, uh, again, like I'm talking about that kind of spirit or that soul kind of moves me, and it's almost effortless for me to do it. Now, there's certain songs that are are, are tough for me to do, and they just don't jive with me. But I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, my favorite band of all time. 100% is the Rolling Stones. And I mean, if we got enough time, I could tell you how that kind of happened. It was from a live experience. But um, so something like Jumpin' Jack Flash or Sympathy for the Devil, that's like just me almost being, I know it sounds weird, but just kind of like it like being channeled through me. It's very easy for me to sing it. It's very easy for me, my voice to get powerful with that. Um, I get like an extra, I get chills talking about it right now. Um, and, and then another one that I love that's not by the stones is, uh, doing Hoochie Coochie Man by Muddy Waters. It's just another one that flows out of me and, um, I like to do. So, I mean, those are a few songs, um, that I love to do for sure when we're performing. Cool. Yeah. Those are very popular too. Um, yeah. And I like to get, I, I, I hope when I do those that sometimes when I'm in that, that the crowd can almost feel what I'm feeling. Um, obviously, you know, we're not, we're not filling up a stadium or something, but you know, um, sometimes I feel it back and like Doug knows we've talked about, like when we can feel that back, it just, it yeah. makes it more in us. And it's like, we give and receive. It's very, it's, it's very cool. You know, one like of the that. good things about playing small venues is that you're, connection with the audience is a lot more immediate yes or disconnection <laughs> well that too and then then it's a struggle to do anything when you could tell nobody's interested or nobody's there you know like when you when you finish your set and then you you know you walk off and you're going and having a drink and you're right among all the people that you just played with and and um you know it's uh it, it's nice because, um, you know, there, there's most people are always very nice and uh, will have some positive things to say. And, uh, 
you know, that's that's the kind of uh, immediate feedback that uh, you might not get in a really large venue. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's great talking to people and just feeling that. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like you, you know, like you're saying, you get you feel this energy from the singer, you know, when you're seeing a live performance, and then yeah. kind of seamlessly turn into that person when you're playing live. And see, you know, you get kind of sounds like you get kind of the same, the same high or buzz off of it. Yeah, know? yeah, I do. I mean, uh, you know, it'll it'll fluctuate. It'll fluctuate depending on certain things, but. Um, yeah, I mean that's what probably got me into singing um and, and doing all that for sure. Um just wanting to I guess put that out there or whatever. But yeah. that's that's what drew my interest into it. Okay, well Doug, I think it's time uh we take a break and when we come back, we're gonna hear how Tom's first Rolling Stone show influenced his love of live music. Would you like to be a guest on Seeing Them Live? If you have a concert story you'd like to share on this podcast, please visit our website at seeingthemlive.com. Once you're there, click on Become a Guest in the main menu. Then fill out the form and click the Submit button. If you seem like a good fit for the show, we'll contact you via email. Everyone has a concert story. Let's hear yours. And now... Back to the show. Okay, we're back from our break, and uh, Tom. So let's hear uh, let's hear about the Stone Show. Um, this this sounds interesting. If I could interrupt a second before we get into that, I think I found uh, the uh, the concert where uh, Tom was uh, <laughs> arrested, so to speak. Uh, I think it was May twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. Was that that okay. was the Aerosmith concert? Right. We looked yeah. it up. Yeah, so that's, that's good we'll, to know we'll post yeah. a link to maybe the set list for that on our on our website. Yeah, I remember it being a good set list. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tom. Yeah. So if you want to get into the the Stones uh, story, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I guess kind of just talking about you know this is called seeing them live and obviously being about um, seeing music live and. and I, how it's much different than just listening to it on, you know, your CD player at home or whatever. Um, the experience of it is just amazing. But I remember I had gone to, you know, my first few concerts back in 96 and 97. And um, I remember I, uh, the Stones came back on tour after Voodoo Lounge. Of course, anytime they came back on tour, it was a big deal. I remember it being promoted and, and at that time, I'm really starting to get into that classic rock music and all that stuff and was a pretty big Stones fan, but not, you know, uh, crazy at that time. I think like Zeppelin was still my favorite and stuff, but um, was really looking forward to go and see the Stones. I remember they had two shows at Soldier Fields to open up the tour at, uh, at, at September 23rd and September 25th. That, that was 1997, Bridges to Babylon. And at that time, I was 17. I was still in high school. Um, I remember, you know, waiting outside Dominic's, if you guys remember that, when you have, oh, yeah. used to have to go get tickets out there. It wasn't online. That didn't exist yet. Right. And, you know, this part of the story is kind of funny. I, they only had one show. It was the 23rd. And um, so all me and about eight of my friends got up that morning to go wait in line at Dominic's because if you could spread out, there was a, there was a chance you'd get a better lottery pick because that's how they, they'd give you the tickets and then they organize everybody after they called that first ticket. Okay. And of course, you know, out of eight of us, I think one of us is like 25 back and I'm just bummed and we're all kind of like, oh, um, and we're getting up close. We're getting up close. And then. The guy kind of comes out and says, I think they're almost sold out, guys. And, you know, everybody's kind of like, uh. He's like, but there's a possibility of a second show being put on. And so as soon as me and my friend Bill heard that, we just walked out of line, went right into Dominic's. And because everybody was distracted, we walked to, like, where they used to do the Ticketmaster thing, right up to the front line. 
And she's like, okay, just give me a minute. It was just like, nobody noticed. <laughs> and she's like, give me a minute. There may be a second show. And then like a minute later, she's like, yes, it came through. How many do you need? And me and Bill are like, okay. Uh, and the, 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 the limit was nine and we were going to buy nine anyway. And we got them. But you know, instead of sitting like nosebleed in the first show and maybe not even getting nine, we got seven, 17th row on the floor at Soldier Field, um, all nine tickets. So we came out of there and everybody's still kind of in line and we're just like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So that was kind of like a cool part of the beginning of the story. Yeah. But then being at the concert, you know, like I didn't really realize what I was going to experience, which just, I mean, and I could get into a ton of it, but it was just seeing them play live so up close and the way that Mick Jagger, for me, just had this aura about him. And I know earlier I was talking about like the front men and all that, and I hadn't seen somebody like that up front yet, you know? And um, it was just like mesmerizing, um, just caught in this gaze of like him putting on this show you know and certain songs that i'll never forget and i know we talked about sympathy for the devil earlier is one of my favorite songs to play and kind of how i get into it but like he came out like dressed differently and it was almost if, i don't know how many people listen remember bridges to babylon but there was an actual bridge out to midfield and they crossed that bridge and i remember just the beat of sympathy going on while people are throwing roses and stuff up on that bridge and and he's crossing it they don't like necessarily start the song yet and mix kind of like like screaming like his woos you know yeah. um you, you know the song's coming but they're waiting as they're kind of just dancing across the stage to the mid stage which got us closer to us and like we were right there watching him do this and so um so then they just did Sympathy for the Devil, and I just remember being blown away. And, um, you know, the entire concert, just being up that close and never experiencing – and don't get me wrong, the entire band I'm talking about too, but obviously Mick is the front man, and he's the one that you're going to be paying attention to a lot. Right. And just, like, what he could do and the show that they put on and how awesome it was. And, Again, back then it was 97, so they were like in their 50s, and, and I was thinking that they were old back then, and now they're doing it in their <laughs> 80s. But, um, and still, yeah. I mean, I saw them three years ago in Detroit and still loved it. But um, anyway, just that experience, you know, and it changed my, not life, but, you know, two months later, I'm sneaking out to go see them in uh, St. Louis at the TWA Center at the time it was called okay. that. We took... It was like my first road trip with my buddies with no parents, you know. My my mom said absolutely not. My dad said, "All right, you're going to do it anyway." Um <laughs> and it was me, my buddy Chris and Justin. We drove down the 4 hours to see them. I think it was December 17th of that same year, 97. And like and the thing was like just became a giant Stones fan from mm. their entire it was like an opening. So, and I didn't know they had so many albums. I mean, it's got to be up to 50 legit studio albums right now. And um, getting to go back and look through all those and listen to all them. And so they just kind of changed. Yes, of course, my love for the Stones, but also it opened up this whole thing for live music. I mean, the concerts I went to before that were only a few and they were cool, fun, but now it was more of like a, cause again, nine people went with us too. Right. Yeah. So crazy. it was more of just like an entire experience to go see something, you know, like get all your friends, maybe tailgate beforehand, get ready for the show. You know, it wasn't just going to the concert and going home. It was just a, so it was the, it was the whole, the whole experience, the whole um, yeah. Uh, yeah. tradition that you were building with it. Absolutely. And like, that was, that was it, you know, the first time and uh, where it was like that. And so I could then just see what a concert could be, you know, and then just enjoy it. It became so much different. And then again, just opened up my, also, you know, and I think that's when I started collecting, um, actual vinyls because you could start finding things live that you couldn't on CD at the time, which was the major like media thing. And, um, 
because just that that liveness of it hit me so much how much different than it was than just a studio recording you know just the crowd there the yeah the atmosphere so and i also think you know looking back on things as some of the stories i've told and i think i'll tell one more but um or two about um <laughs> that crowd can really as they kind of incite the uh the band like they even would like incite me. I mean, they would give me energy, you know, not like I was somebody special sitting there or not, but that's what I'm saying about enjoying that live music. You know, and there's nothing yeah. like being there right. and, and really being with a group or a very large group of people that are just enjoying one thing going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, you, uh, you know, especially like the new band you're kind of getting into, um, you know, I remember I was starting to listen to REM, mm-hmm. uh, some of their first couple albums, and then I saw them yes. uh, live, and I had like killer seats, like first or second row center, and that just put it over the edge. Like I had to see them every time they came to town from that point on. And that was like 1985. Um yeah, so I, like it's just you, you listen to it in your living room. You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. This is interesting. But yeah, that whole the energy, the dynamic play between the musicians, what they're wearing. Yes. Uh, just that they're yeah, like you said, they're feeding off the crowd. The crowd's going crazy. It's uh, yeah, it, it's I don't convert yeah. you to like a super fan. So it can. It has that ability. W- wouldn't you agree that from the musician's point of view? That's huge. Getting that energy feedback. Oh, yeah. I mean that that just makes you play better. That 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 really. I mean, a lot of a lot of audience don't realize that another aspect of live music is that the audience is actually in a in a way a part of the band, and that they're giving us the amperage, the the energy, you know, and encouraging mm-hmm. us to you know to play our best, and that that really makes a big difference from, uh, you know, an average experience as a musician playing where, okay, it was an okay gig to being just, you're so pumped up and feel so great afterwards when, when you get that kind of energy. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and we talked about that a little bit earlier too, but yeah, I mean, the, the thing with that too, is like, you could just really kind of be feeling like, Ugh, this is going so so because you're looking around nobody's interested and like it is kind of a mental game because you gotta you know some people might be there to eat and stuff but then <laughs> then you you just kind of look at one person or two people that you can tell are like dancing or having a good time and that could change the whole thing for you because yep. it's like all right at least one person is really digging this you know and and again you know people are there for different reasons but it as a musician it gets into your head for sure so to ever show somebody that you appreciate what they're doing is important. Um, and Chuck, I was going to say, like, and I'm not going to repeat it too much, but you hit it right on the head. It was like the live experience. I was like that with the Stones. I didn't miss another Stones show that was in my area ever. Um, I mean, like I said, even even went to Detroit three years ago when they were in this area. Um, I've probably seen them like, you know, 15, 18 times, 18 times, no, no joke, you know? And like, I've taken people who have never seen him before. Like, uh, you know, when my brother came into town, he was in LA, I was like, let's go. We got to go see him. Girlfriends that have never seen him. Let's go, you know, to try and give them that experience. Not that I pushed it on them, but just like, right. You know, Oh, you never seen the stones. Let's go. So, um, yeah, just, it, it was one of those things where it flicked, the switch and I, I was not going to miss it again because of what it kind of did for me, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's a great way of describing it. Um, so Tom, if you wanted to move on from that experience to, um, I think you had another, is there like a backstage story or something you wanted to tell? Or? Well, I've got the black crows stories. I'll, I'll make that one quick because I know I've had a couple crazy ones. And then I'll, I'll tell my uh, other one to potentially end it here, which is like a nice story. But, um, I mean, again, so we're at the new world. It is pouring rain. It's, uh, this one, it'll be easy to find. It's the Jimmy page and the black crows, 
Um, they, they had just put out Live at the Greek, so that was a double album with them. And again, huge fan of Zeppelin and a big fan of the Black Crows. And I thought of like, man, if anybody could do some Robert Plant, it would be um, Chris Robinson for the Black Crows with that voice, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, me being young, I, I will look up the years, so we'll figure out my age, but I'm sure it was very early 20s or late teens. Um, I remember walking in, I, I had, you know, as my friends will describe it, I had uh, very long hair back then, and shirt was already off going into this place because everybody soaked, you know, and then you had like probably the normal people with umbrellas and stuff, but like not my group of friends. And um, so if you know the world, and I know we've talked about the New World uh, Theater or whatever, if you're in the lawn, they had, you know, there's a slope and it's just soaked already. I mean, the rain has been coming down before this thing even starts. And, you know, I'm not going to say I remember exact details about when this began and all this during the concert, but they start playing. And again, this is the, this is the thing about the music starting to put energy into me and just getting too crazy, you know? And so I start sliding down these, uh, the hills, you know, they're basically mudslides. Um, and there's a few people doing it at the beginning. And of course, security's out there then saying, um, like, you can't do this. You can't do this. And again, the only visual you would have is if you've been to the world who's ever listened to this, but it's like these, it's like a hill. And then after you get down the hill, there's like a walkway. And then that's when you would get to the seats. Anyway, I'm sliding down these hills and I won't stop. I mean, it's super fun. You're just like going head first, just flying down like it's a amusement park ride. So eventually security's like, if you don't stop, like you're getting kicked out. And so kind of like the Aerosmith concert, I preempted for this. So we had a couple extra tickets. I, um, I got one from a friend. I was like, in case I get kicked out. (laughs) Let me put this on me, right? So, of course, you know, two seconds later, whenever, they're pulling me down to the, to the security and, and basically holding me for a little bit. And, you know, they don't like, as far as I know, they're not like calling the police. They're just like, okay, leave the venue now after they hold, hold you and get your information and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mind you, soaking wet, hair wet. <laughs> just muddy. Mud, so muddy. <laughs> um, so I remember walking out of the gate. So my immediate uh, plan is to go to another gate like I did at that Aerosmith concert. Or again, maybe we'll look at it and see that they're flipped. And then I got the idea for Aerosmith from Black Crows. I don't know. But I had the idea. Always keep an extra ticket on me. <laughs> so walk to another gate. They don't look at me twice because I got the ticket. And they're just like, okay, come on in immediately get back up there, start sliding again. And my friends are like trying to be like, come on. And like, I'm like, the guys recommend, uh, recognize me immediately. They take me, they're holding me down in there again. And, um, yeah, that was it. And so I got held in there a little bit longer. And unfortunately this time it was, uh, you know, no way of getting back in. So I basically had to kind of just, hang out, listen to the thing outside and, uh, um, wait for my friends to get out who hopefully found me. But, um, so, and so that's a a dumb way to get kicked out. So you get to miss the concert, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but the mudslides were fun. I looked this up. It looks like it was June 24th, 2000. So that would have been before the Aerosmith, right? Actually the Aerosmith was before it. That was 1999 was the Aerosmith. Oh, okay. The reason why I think it's this one, because they mentioned about it raining. Well, that's it for sure, because I don't think Jimmy Page and the Black Crows ever were together again. That was like a one-year tour. They definitely were not back. And and it was Tinley Park, right? That that Okay, that then this has to be it. Yeah, there's a whole, I found a whole review. We'll put the link on our website to this. Cool. No, that I, I love how you can attach it to it. Um let me let me ask you this. At the time, now I I don't know if if you were aware of some of the videos of Woodstock because I was immediately thinking of at Woodstock they they had a situation where it rained and people were dancing in the mud and everything. Did it ever occur to you at the time that this kind of seemed like that? 
Probably, you know, like, and again, you know, I, I always say, like, I feel like I'm an old soul. I like that kind of music. I, you know, it was never out of like any violence or ruining the show. It was always like, I'm, I'm wanting to get people to do it with me. Mm -hmm. Like, let's have fun, man. This is amazing. Right. <laughs> sure. But it's now it's, it's 2000 and stuff just like pure that. Joy, like, yeah. yeah. It's just like, I mean, yeah, we're going to rip this place up, but like, dude, I mean, we got Jimmy Page, Black Crows rocking and people are having a good time and we're just sliding down what seems to be like this ride. I'm, I'm sure I was thinking of Woodstock. I know that probably came out as we were walking in because like I said, shirt off, soaked before we even entered the gates. Like, but it was like one of those things where it's like, we knew we were in the lawn and you just accepted it. Like, this is what the show was going to be like. It was going to be crazy, you know? So, so nobody, we nobody, uh, nobody joined you down the hill then, Tom, you were just a solo, uh, slider yeah, so to speak like i said there was a few in the beginning but none of my friends of course yeah, they were always okay. the ones like probably keeping an eye on me <laughs> <laughs> but uh just a few i i don't know i wonder i wonder if there's a write-up if they'll if they did say anything i'll even look into that after yeah this. we'll uh we'll have to check that out i'll i'll take a look and see if there's anything about a crazy person sliding down the uh the hill at, yeah at show. <laughs> potentially Potentially, it was a yeah. I, I people did did uh, see it for sure. <laughs> Witnessed it. Um. All right. So so then uh, you wanted to maybe wrap up with a backstage experience or something like that. Yeah. So it was again. We'll probably have to look this up. But ninety seven. Whenever the Doobie Brothers play the Taste of Chicago. Um, so what was really cool about this is me and my friends were all going down there. Um, and we were going in my buddy's Bronco. So there's about five or six of us. And um, as we were leaving out of town and we lived like in the western suburbs to go downtown to the city, uh, his car broke down. So we weren't too far away from like all of our own homes. We weren't like already on the highway. And everybody's just kind of like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And my buddy Tom, when we were right by his house, my other buddy Tom, he goes, he goes, let's, he's like, let's go grab my car. And uh, whoever wants to come with can come with because we're going down to see the Doobie Brothers. We really wanted to go see him, you know? Yeah. And I jumped out. He jumped out. Everybody else is like, we'll figure it out. So it was me and him. So we, we drove down. We got there. We got pretty good seats. Like now, if you've ever been down at the Taste, you know, you have like the seating up front which it's totally first come, first serve. Um, maybe sometimes you have to have a pass, but at that time we were early enough to get in there, and then everybody's just on the outskirts. So I remember um, me and him watching the concert, and again, we had like a tendency to just really be into the concert and like get people involved. And like, you know, if we weren't getting people involved, we had a lot of like energy, right? I mean, again, we were young and stuff, but yeah. we would be up dancing and things like that. So we're at this concert, probably like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 rows back. Definitely um, pretty close. And so the Doobie Brothers are playing. Tom Johnson's up there and is like one of the lead singers at this point. I know their band has switched around a little bit over the years. Um, and we're jamming and stuff. And so like a couple things that happened throughout that show. Uh, first of all, a couple people behind us kept kind of yelling at me and Tom to sit down and we'd kind of turn at him and give him a look. And we're like, we're not saying anything, but we're like thinking we're at a concert. We're like partying. Most people are standing up, but we just happen to be in front of like them, like five rows up. Yeah. And they say it a couple of times. And I think we turn around and say like, yo, we're at a concert. We're enjoying ourselves. And then it was almost like the crowd turned on them and they start going, Come and sit up by us. They're talking to me and Tom. Come sit by us. Come sit by us. You know, this is a concert. And we weren't being rude or anything like that. But so you have to know that that was an issue that was kind of going on. Another thing that had happened during the concert was like, you know, me and Tom would yell. Like, you know, just give a scream out to the band after a song. Kind of give a, Doug, you know how loud I can scream. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they heard us up there, but I'm pointing to Tom Johnson up there at one point, and he points directly 
back at me after a song and something he goes in somewhere along the lines of like, you know, that's the way it is or something like that, you know, pointing out like the enthusiasm almost, you know, which was really cool. Um, and, um, so we're just enjoying this entire show and a couple things like that happen. Right. So at the end of the show, we're like, all right, let's go see if, and this is before cell phones. We were kind of like, let's go see if our other buddies made it or whatever. Who knows if they ever came down. And then there was these two ladies that were like, it's hard to describe. They were kind of like leaning over where we were at. We were down below a little bit. And there was like an elevation to the side. And they go, hey, you guys, come here. And they call us over. And we're like, what's up? They're like, here, take these. They, you, can, you, uh, you deserve them more than us or something along the lines. Like, you can use them more than us. And we're like, well, what are they? And we're looking, they're like, backstage passes. And we were like, holy cow, you know? And like, we're like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. They're like, you're welcome. And so again, like that was kind of like, they must've seen like the enthusiasm, of course, you know, they picked us out specifically to give these two. Yeah. And, um, and then like dorks, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the, the, uh, scenario from Wayne's world when they had the backstage passes, they're like backstage passes, they're moving through everybody. And like me and Tom were kind of doing that, like (laughs) moving through the crowd and, um, and we got back there and we met. All of them. There were other people back there. And there was like the radio station, I think at the time was like 97.1 was back there. And, and so, you know, I remember meeting um, all of them, Tom Johnston. And, and, you know, of course, I think Snake was their bass player. He was a cool dude. And like, I mean, this is 25, 30 years ago. I can't, I can't remember all their names and stuff at the time. But yeah. um, we just hung out with them back there for, for probably like a half hour or so, just talking about music and and, you know, we were younger, so I don't know what they were thinking about at all. But um, it was a good time. They were really cool guys. I remember, like, people were taking pictures back there, which I think might have been for, like, a radio station or something. Mm. But I remember a mother and a daughter were back there, and she was taking pictures. And I said, hey, I'm like, can you get one of me and Tom and the band and can you, can I get your contact information? Cause again, back then there were no cell phones, yeah. no, you know, like I had to write this specifically down on a piece of paper. And, um, she said, yeah. So she got a couple of pictures of me and Tom hanging with the band, which was amazing. And also I remember I had <laughs> coincidentally, when I went and saw the stones in 97 in St. Louis, I bought a t-shirt in line for 10 bucks before we got in there, you know, cause it would have been like 30 probably at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing that shirt at the Doobie brothers. I had them all sign it. Oh. So I had that. Um, and so, you know, just a great time. And I guess the follow up with that is I remember calling or I gave that lady my information. She had, I got her information for sure. I wanted to make sure I had a phone number Yeah. and I talked to her one or two, maybe even three times. And, you know, it was all set to get these pictures sent once they were developed. And like, from what I uh, was talking to her about, like, she seemed legit and all that. But you know what? I I don't even remember what happened. I don't know if I lost the phone number, if she stopped picking up. But of course, the pictures never came, um, which was a bummer. And then, of course, you know, throughout my moves and what is that, 97, so almost 30 years, that that T-shirt with all the signatures to... um, is, is is gone i don't know where that went either but <laughs> w- with that thing if that was ever hanging up and people would see it, they'd be like oh my god you have all the stone signatures and i'd be like no it's the doobie brothers and they'd be like oh <laughs> right no, that's still pretty like, no. cool yeah it, it was cool and i'd just be like no i was wearing it when we were down there and then it would probably turn into the story about how we got back there but um yeah so that was cool man and again like just another cool story, man, of how if yeah, you kind of awesome. like that, show fantastic. your enthusiasm and stuff, you never know the places that it can kind of take you and, and who you can meet and do yeah. all that. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, Tom. It's like long after maybe you've lost your ticket stubs or in your case, your one of your girlfriends tossed them out on you and the, and the concert shirts don't fit anymore. You, you still have the stories and the memories and, uh, you know, that's that's what's uh I enjoy, you know, hearing and, and, and such, but, um, 
Yeah, that that's a great story. Um, and we're uh, we're kind of coming up here on uh, about five more minutes. Is there anything you want to wrap up with, Tom? Um, maybe about the your band or anything? Uh, you, got, you got any concerts on the horizon that you you got tickets to coming up? Um, hmm, good good question. Um, not you know, I keep looking for a few. I've had a bucket list since I've been young, and I've hit everybody. Um, that was still alive, you know, that could be, uh, more recently, a couple years ago, finally got to see Elton John, which I love, um, McCartney, that was more like six, seven years ago. So, but, um, you know, there's, I think if I can, Randy Newman is the only person out there that I have not seen yet. And I always try and keep tabs on where he's at. He's not touring right now. He was touring in Europe. If nobody knows who that is, he like, does do the music for Disney, like Toy Story and stuff. But, man, back in the 60s and 70s, man, he's a piano player, and he uh, yeah. just wrote great songs, great songs, and very, very political and, and uh, like, satire, and I love that stuff and just never gotten a chance to see him. So I'm always on the lookout for him. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, to be honest, uh, uh, the live music has toned down. I mean, I don't have as much time. My money can't always go to that. Sure. But, you know, so instead of going to everything I can, I, I pick out certain things. And like, you know, me and my wife have come to like a band called the Black Pumas that are pretty new. So we've yeah. been on the lookout for them. But but nothing bought as of right now, you know, just kind of always on the lookout for probably a handful of bands. If they do come around, we will go to them. Um, and like as far as the Stones, I've... Probably for the last five or ten times that I've seen them, I've always said, this is the last time, <laughs> and um, as one of their songs would say. But somehow, if they're in the area, it may be the last day, and they're, they're playing the next day, and I go, all right, forget it. I, I got I to gotta go. I can't miss this. <laughs> um, just because I've seen them so much, you know? But yeah. um, So nothing really on the horizon, but like I said, um, people out there that I'd still like to see um, that if they came around, you know, would be cool. And, you know, as far as our band, um, things are going really good. You know, I, I don't say this officially, like we're still gigging in a lot of bars and things like that. But over this summer, it's been cool to do some more private parties for, you know, actual people mm -hmm. throwing parties. But then we've also done some kind of like private public parties for like the Oak Brook uh, Golf Club recently. And that was amazing and uh i think as a band we've been talking about maybe getting more into mm. that scene as we, we're getting a little bit older and you know families and things like that it's nice to set up at three and go home by nine instead of going home at two o'clock in the morning you know right. it's got its it's got its perks so yeah. we'll still be out there in every way but um i guess if anything with the band is we're definitely trying to open up more to private parties and uh like private events like that which uh are a, a fun thing and we're, we're promoting that more and doug's a doug's our promoter man tom this has been a, a, a complete pleasure I, I love listening to people tell these kinds of stories because i have i have you know stories as well we all do and i just i just love sharing them and i, I really appreciate your time yeah we might have you back and uh i'd love to come back i i i i could dig some others out but um you know, like I said at the beginning, I think this is such a great idea. I can't wait to uh, hear other people's. I know, like, my wife is looking forward to listening to, to mine when it comes out. But um, I'm looking forward to everybody else you got on just to, just to hear what they have to say. I think this is such a great idea. Wishing you guys the best. Well, appreciate it. And uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe we'll check out a show together one of these days. That'd be awesome. And definitely your band. That'd be awesome, too. But thanks again, Tom. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you. That's a wrap for our show. I want to thank today's guests for sharing their concert stories with us. Make sure to check out our show notes at seeingthemlive.com for links to websites, photos, and other artifacts mentioned in the show. I also want to thank my producer, Doug Florzak. The theme music for the show was composed by Doug, and is featured on his album, Flagstone. 
If you have a concert story you'd like to share on our podcast, please visit our website and click on Become a Guest in the main menu. Then fill out the form and click the Submit button. If you seem like a good fit for the show, we'll contact you via email. I guess it's time to head for the exits. We'll see you next time on Seeing Them Live.